how the journey into being a new creation. Of course, Easter Sunday, I love Easter um, Sunday because it talks about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he was he was crucified for our sins, buried and rose again that we might have eternal life. But it's kind of that like the what now? Um, what now, now that we know that, because that's a lot of times where our story begins and ends with God, is that we give our lives to Jesus, but what now? What should be taking place inside of us? What should be the fruits of our salvation? And so we're going to talk about that today, and I want us to, um, to look back at Genesis real quick. When God said in the beginning, he said, let us make man in our own image. Well, who is he talking to? You know, obviously he wasn't talking to the angels because we're not made in the image of angels. He wasn't talking to the seraphim or all the other um, living creatures that stand before the throne or we would look like beast, you know, Um, because there are living creatures that live before the throne of God. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the Trinity. So he was talking to the Holy Spirit that was also at work. He was talking to what would become Jesus, but it says in John 1 that we called him the Word of God. That's why when it says that even through his word, all things were made, that's because Jesus was the active participant of creating humanity alongside of the Father. This is very important to us because he would be the one who would die for his creation. So to think that Jesus was a part of the process of humanity being formed in his likeness, and then even to the point that he would die for creation, this is an important factor to know that Jesus was there as the word in the beginning. So when he says, so when God says, let us make him like us in our own image, he's talking to Jesus. He's talking to the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you have two eyes because your Father in heaven has two eyes. You have limbs because the Father in heaven has limbs. Now people go, well, isn't he a spirit? He is also spirit. But he is also, Jesus came and became like flesh, like one of us. But really, we became like one of him. And if we're really honest, if we can see that Adam was made in the likeness and Eve was made in the likeness of God. And so every single part of you is the reason why Satan also hates you. Because when he looks at you, you also reflect something that you are made of. You you imitate the original maker. You look like your father in heaven because he made humanity to look like himself. So you are a constant reminder to the enemy that you are his purchased possession. This is very hard because as someone said, and I've said this before, um, when Satan fell and a third of the angels, God did nothing. But when, when man fell, God sent his son. And so how valuable are you that God would send his son to be the purchased possession? Now, here's the thing. This is why Easter Sunday, why we do all this is important, because even though man has fallen and even though you're made in his image, we need salvation. We have a chasm, as my mom explained last time, that no man can come across except through the bridge of the cross because we are we are inherently sinful. That's what happens. We now are born into a sin nature, and therefore we have to know our creation. That's why humanity just wrestles with science or whatever to figure out why it was born, why it was made, but all humanity will find life and truth in the one who has made it. That is God the Father and the one whom they are made in his image. That's why it's we're not apes. We're not evolved from apes. We're not, you know, just up here. We're not those. We have eternal value. We have a lot of weight. And so we are his masterpieces. You are the masterpiece of God. And so what does this look like? Well, what, what does it mean now that we are saved? 
Well, we're going to watch this video and we're going to see what it looks like now that you've given your life to Jesus. What should the journey look like? What should be a part of our journey? And let's check out this video. God's I, I don't 
understand this pain. I'm talking about pain, I know all about pain. Sometimes I'm dying on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also have from another race and give me freedom. You know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. You keep going to these empty wells to fill you up, and I don't work anymore in your life, but you insist on going to them. Let me chisel them out of your life. Don't look at these trials and as a punishment, but as training. I know it feels like you're going against the grain here, but I'm trying to educate you. And what I don't want you to do is drop out. I promise you, this faith that I'm producing, it'll become mature. I need you to trust me. Okay. Okay, then. Then chisel away all you want. Everything that you see that, that you don't want there, then, then chisel it away and just be prepared for what you're going to find inside there. Because I know what's in there. What it is is a scared little boy who gets up every morning and looks at himself in the mirror and hates what he sees. Because he looks at himself in the mirror and can see someone who's afraid to do anything. I want to be holy. I, I want to be more like you. I want all of these things, but trust me, I can't do it. But you go ahead and chisel away. You chisel away, but just be ready for what you're going to My child, you have been listening to so many of the wrong voices for too much of your life. How can I show you that my love has no ends? I know, reach in your back pocket. Why? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? <laughs> God, I'll do that right now. Um, these are the things I'm trying to chisel away out of your life. Reach in your back pocket. You know what that is? It's, it's a page out of my very first journal where I have to kill a Christian. I want you to want to remind you of something. Read that line. Today I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. How incredible it is to experience His love. Of forgiveness. I'm so thankful that God accepts me the way I am. But I also know that He loves me too much to leave me this way. I can't wait to see what He's going to do with me. Tommy, the salvation that you hold, I do not want it to be some sentimental push or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But no one said being transformed into the image of my son was ever going to be easy. Don't look at this as a prison, but look at it as a, as a heavenly father loving his child. I don't want you to be crushed by my discipline, all right? But I don't want you to shrug off either. The child that I love, I discipline. The child that I embrace, I'm going to correct. Okay. Okay, then chisel away. Do, do whatever you no, I'm afraid of what you're going to find. But I trust you that you know what's in there. I'm willing, God. I'm willing. So just like this skit, what God is after is making us into his likeness. Now here's the thing, and, and this is where a lot of people can get the wrong perspective of God. God does not look at you because he hates what you look like. Like, he doesn't look at you and go, well, I hate you. And so the only way that I will like you is if you look like me. And really what it comes down to is that we are being transformed into his image because this is the truest self that we actually are. This is who we are before sta- saint or sin stained us. 
This is our true self. And so who he's trying to make us is what we were supposed to be before sin was the equation that was the chasm. And so in our truest self, he is not transforming us, like I said, because he doesn't like us or can't stand the side of us. He is after the things that are not like him in our lives. And because, what, because the things that are not like him are actually not like us. They're not the things that God wants us to be like. He wants us to have freedom. He wants us to walk in true life. I love it. It says Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but he came into the world that we might have life through him. That's John 3.17. People often don't quote John 3.17, but we hear John 3.16 all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But you have to pair it with 17, because he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that all might have life through him. And so his, his idea of what we should look like is living in the fullness of life that you are called to live in. You are called to live in to the fullness of what God has for you. So we are not born so now that we are born again and our eyes are open to what sin is, we don't want to live in the same place that separated us in the first place. It would be like taking that fruit again and eating it because we feel like we know better. It's and it's what humanity does a lot of times. Well, God, I don't know if I can trust you, so I will eat of the thing that I'm used to because I can't trust you for what you want to give to me. But God wants to give to us what's of him. The thing was within the garden was the fruit that he asked them not to do, that their eyes were open. But what did it create? It created shame. Sin creates shame. When you feel like you've messed up or you have an area where you can't go to God, that is shame. That keeps us away from him. The veil has been torn, like she said last week. So therefore, we have constant access to him. He's a good father that wants us to come to him when we mess up so that we can learn and that we can grow. Just like when your children mess up, Um, Do you want them to live in the shame of what they have committed all the days of their life? No, you want them to grow. You want them to learn. You want them to be transformed by what that has happened. But you as a parent are the one who helps them see it because they can't see it. All they know is their shame. It's usually by your love, by your attention, by you showing them the way that they actually feel the assurance that if I mess up in this again, for one, I can go there. But most of the time, as you do it, if you teach a a child not to touch a stove so many times, for one, they've been burnt enough to know that it's not wisdom, but they also have seen how you've reacted to know they don't want to go there again. That's the way that God is with us, is that when you've, you've, you've been burned, I know what I don't want to go back into because I've it didn't satisfy. It wasn't the, the thing that it needed that I needed. It didn't actually help me through the problem. But when I go to the Father, I see what actually what was lacking and how he can fulfill it. And that's how God is with us. And so the difference between knowing God and no, uh, knowing about God and knowing God um, is in this transformation process. And so Jesus didn't die for your sins so that you can just be saved and go on and just live your happy life and know that you're a Christian now. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. And what's interesting is in, um, in the word, people always talk about, you know, when Jesus comes, and it really is. The works are all are burned in the fire, and we see what comes out. But really what it came down to was relationship with God. And, and a lot of the church particularly are trying to get to know God through their works. 
Guess what? It's backwards. We actually will do works as we know him. Because when I'm confident in his love for me, I, it will be the overflow of my life to want to give it to someone else. It will be the overflow of my life to want to do good works for others. Because it's, it's the story of the woman who was forgiven much. So therefore, she, for, she was forgiven much. She forgave much, and she knew that she was loved much. And so therefore, she had an understanding, I was forgiven much, so therefore, I can love much. Um, I can. I have an understanding of what had happened to my life. I know how much he loves me. Therefore, I can also do the same in turn for somebody else. And so, but people have it backwards, trying to earn his love or his affection by their works, not knowing that they are already loved. Because guess what? He gave his life on the cross for you. That is, that is the proof of his love. And so every single day, he's wanting us to walk in the first and second commandment, to love him with all of our heart, to love our neighbor as ourselves. But guess what? As we love him with all of our heart, he in turn shows us how much he loves us. And so it's kind of like this whole thing. It's like the Trinity goes, I love you, 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 I love you. And they bring us into it and they go, we love you, we love you. And through that they go, okay. And and then in that confidence and love, we want to be transformed because we also see who we really are and what we have in our lives that are not of him and that actually are the burdens and the things that we shouldn't have in our lives. And so you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with God prepared um, beforehand that we should walk in them. And I love the NLT, that's why I put it um, as well, is that we are his masterpieces. You are a masterpiece. And here's the thing, if you don't like you, I'm sorry, but God likes you. If there's things about yourself that you don't like, let me tell you, God's not, and God does not have the same attitude or mindset that you have towards you. And so this is what's amazing. So we want to know God. We're Growing in God is not the same as getting older in the natural. So even though we age and, you know, we all, our hair turns different colors as we get older, things in our bodies start to change as we get older, um, that's not the same in Christianity. So you will not grow just because you're getting a year older. That's why you can have many people in the faith at different ages, and so many people will have different walks with God. And here's the thing, it's about how we grow, how we mature is actually growing in relationship. And so you will only mature in your walk with God as much as you grow the relationship with God. That's how it works. It's not by age. It's not by sitting in the seats year after year after year, because let's be honest, it, it, that's not the way that it happens, particularly in the kingdom of the supernatural. And so I want you to, let me see. We're going to look at this first. I'm going to come back to it. So we already talked about salvation to transformation. So we have been saved. Now we're being transformed. This is the process. You are now being transformed now that you are saved into his likeness. Therefore, you are a different creation. You are a new creation. You have become a new creation. And so we're going to look what that looks like by remembering the butterfly.
lives would be different. Living ten times longer than their parents. Only longevity and uncanny endurance can take them back to Mexico. This time in a single generation. It takes four days for the lava to emerge. So why do we remember the butterfly? So I will show you. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The word for transformation that is in the New Testament is metamorpho. It is the term where we get metamorphosis. So the term that we see, the process that happens to a butterfly, is actually the process that happens to us as Christians. Now, this is how I'm going to explain it. Now, when we get born again, we have the father who we're going to say is the butterfly. It's the original image that gives birth. Of course, we come into a new birth. It's a new creation. Um, we become new creations, which, of course, in this, in this term is a little, little caterpillar. And his first instinct of what he's supposed to do is eat. Now, what that looks like for Christians is eating of the word. It's consuming the word so that we can know who he is and what he is like. And then through that process, when he has reached a full weight, he starts seeing the transformation until he actually goes through the process, which isn't an easy process, um, but until he becomes like what was given birth to him, the original maker. And has his own story. So we are like this butterfly. We are being transformed into the likeness of our maker. And um, so, yes, I wanted to, I was trying to make sure I said this. Yes, so redemption's fruit 
is transformation. And lastly, this is a journey. This isn't something that happens all overnight. Um, what's hard for humanity is the journey. We're kind of like the kids who are on the journey and we're going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We often, I think, we often think that God is going, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are you there yet? But you know what's interesting with God? He's mostly like, we're on the journey and we're the ones saying, are we there yet? And he's like, ooh, look at the trees. Ooh, look at the flowers. He is so about the journey because the journey sometimes with God is not so much the destination, it's who you're with. And it's that he is in the process of transforming you and he enjoys the relationship with you as you get there. Because we're always being transformed from glory to glory, from strength to strength. To be honest, in some ways we, we will arrive, but we will never fully arrive until we're fully redeemed. But we're in a process of the relationship. And as we behold him, we become like him. I already did that. So now we are being conformed, and I will be closing. So, uh, so transformation, I just looked in the dictionary, and it says a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance, um, a metamorphosis during the life cycle of an animal. But to conform means to be of similar in form, nature, or character. It's to be conformed into an image, to be like in every single way. So not only are we being transformed, we're being conformed, that we become like him. A great verse for this is Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorpho, by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is the good and acceptable gift. So we are not being conformed. You are not like this world. You are not of this world. You are other than. And so we shouldn't be like this world. We are to be transformed. We are Christians. That means you are little Christ. That means when people look at you, they should see Jesus. You know, and I get it. Sometimes Christians get it really hard. It's like, well, you know, you're a Christian. You should do this. Here's the thing. To be like Christ isn't going to be the response that the world wants, but we are to respond like Christ in the way that he would. And so, therefore, sometimes people are going, you should have more compassion. Sometimes he disciplines the things that he loves. So, therefore, it's not going to be in that same way. But let me tell you, every single thing that he does, in love, uh, does is through love, even if it is through discipline. And so sometimes the world's like, if you should do this, you should be ran over. No, that is actually not what the Bible says. It says that we should be innocent as doves, but um, sharp as, yes, as serpents. So that means that we should also have some sense to us. That means that we should have some smarts to us as well. So it isn't about being ran over, but it's about reflecting him in every single thing that we do. So we are, of the, we are not of the substance of the world. We are of God's substance. So what is in you that is not of his nature? If you ask yourself right now, and some things can come to mind really quickly, and then there's other things that we actually don't know until, we, until God points them out to us. But... God wants to be the potter and we be the clay. He is mostly looking for us to be um, those who are willing to be changed than anything else. And so what does he want to chisel in your life? What are the things that if you had to ask yourself today, these are the areas that God wants to chisel? 
what are they for you? And the most important question is that since he is the potter and we are the clay, and just like our video that we saw, what areas might you be trying to control? That you're going, don't touch this area, or let me do it this way, or are there areas in your life that you're trying to play God, that you're like, I don't know if I want to change. Because here's the thing, transformation is not an option. Um, you have to transform. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. And so when, when at the end of uh, Matthew 25 and, and looking at those who go to heaven, his question and his response to the virgins wasn't that, you know, hey, um, you didn't have enough oil, blah, 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 blah. The oil represented relationship um, as we see it. But he said, depart from me because I never knew you. To be known and to have that relationship, that's what happens. And in that relationship, we have to be transformed. So if you're listening going, I don't want to be transformed, if you're a Christian, it's not an option. If you really know him, it's not an option because this is what it is. But it's your truest self. And then honestly, just kind of like this, this video, why would you want to keep it? Why do you want to live the same way when he wants to give you something better? He doesn't remove things so that then it's like, well, I can't be happy again. No, it says that he came that you might have life and life abundant. So he wants you to have the truest form of your life, who he has made you to be. And this is it. So there's one last thing that only you can answer. Will you participate? I can't answer that for you. Nobody else can. And, and here's the thing. In life, a lot of things happen to us that end up being why we respond the way that we respond. Me, I endured a lot of rejection in my life from young kids, and therefore, at times, it made me angry. And, and it, of course, it produced insecurities in me that I didn't expect in my life. But you know what's funny? I'm responsible for that anger and that insecurity. That It's not the response. It's not actually the responsibility of those who actually made fun of me. Even though I hated it, I, in fact, I mean, at times I was like, call down fire, God, on them. You know, it hurt. It was painful. But no matter what happens to us, God wants to, to go into those areas and go, you know what, let me tell you who you really are. And let me love on you. And let me show you who you were made to be. And so no matter what happens to us, we are actually responsible for our responses. We are responsible to not live as victims, but to live as victors. And, and, so, um, and so the question is, will you participate? And that's something that only you can answer. So I'm going to close with that today. And thank you for hanging in there with me. Um, but we're going to pray and then we're going to sing our closing hymn. And here's the thing. This is why I'm very strategic. I know Psalm 139 was very long today, um, with the thing, but that to me is the proof of his relationship with you. I, that's why I wanted to say it because it's like, he's known you since your mother's womb. He's well acquainted with you. And honestly, where can you go from his spirit? Where can you hide? So no matter if we try to hide the things just like this guy, you might not like what you find when you get in there. You'll get to the core of who I really am. And sometimes we're like, I like this part of me, and I don't think I want to get rid of it. But when God shows you the better way, when he shows you what you were made to be originally, it changes everything. And guess what? God only wants you to give to him today. He asks, he asks us just like the song, I Surrender All of just going, do we surrender everything in our lives? Do we have, do we want to give him that? And that's something only you can answer. We're going to sing Have Thine Own Way. And I picked that out particularly because that is a, it's a dangerous song to sing. It's very dangerous to sing because if you really mean it, he will do it. But you know what? You will find 
life in it. Believe me, I'm so glad that I still at times deal with anger and it's hard and I don't like it. But let me tell you, when I was angry and throwing things and punching things, it was not enjoyable for me. At times it made me feel like maybe I got the upper hand or maybe it was like, you know, show them. But you know what? At the end of the day, I actually, it's kind of like you get more with honey than vinegar anyways, I realized in my own life to have peace, because here's what he gives you in exchange. He gives you peace, patience, joy. I always mess it up. Love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he gives you instead of everything. That's the fruits of the Spirit. And so that's what you could live in. You could live daily in, in love, knowing that you're loved, loving others, living daily in peace and joy. Wouldn't it be great to live each day with joy, joy unspeakable that overflows no matter your circumstances? Wouldn't it be great to have self-control? I wish I had self-control many times, particularly when I'm eating. But, you know, but that's a fruit of the Spirit that's being worked in my life. And so, but I need his help to do it. And so, therefore, kind of like this thing, I surrender. He does the work, but that's all the work you have to do. So if you're trying to work your way into heaven, your work is actually in surrender. Your work is actually letting him love you and letting him have his way. So if you're going to say yes... That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to pray quickly, and then we're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way. And that's going to be our response today, is your genuine response in singing this to the Lord. If you mean it, sing it like you mean it. And let that be your response to the Lord, because he will respond. And you won't find a mean father, but you're going to find a loving and kind father who's going to be there to help you. Amen. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today that we are... Those who are Christians, Father, called to be transformed into your likeness. And so we just pray that, Father, today, every area in our lives that are not like you, that you would search them, show them to us. And and honestly, I know how you are. You just go, well, are you willing to give it to me? Are you willing for me to have this area of your life that I might be able to grow and mature you into who I would be? So you would respond like me, to be like me. That, Father, we were made to be in the image of our creator. And I thank God that you are so loving, you are kind, you're patient. I thank you that as we read in um, 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love is, I thank you that it says in 1 John, God is love. So we can replace love with God in 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient. It is kind. It believes all things. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I thank you that this is who you are and what you're like. And so I thank you that as you form us into your image, that we will find a loving father there to correct us gently. And just like this skit today, we just come before you and we say, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.